This episode is sponsored by Paleo Valley. Paleo Valley's meat sticks have been a lifesaver during this hot summer. Since they're shelf stable, I always have three Paleo Valley meat sticks in my bag at all times. It's also been perfect for my boys' lunch boxes. I love Paleo Valley's grass finished beef sticks and pasture raised turkey sticks because they support US family farmers that focus on regenerative agriculture. These meat sticks are from animals that have never been fed grains, soy, corn, or GMOs and have never been given antibiotics. The spices in these meat sticks are also 100% organic. The sticks come in five different flavors, and my favorite is the original beef stick, and my boys love the teriyaki beef sticks and the original pasture raised turkey stick. Paleo Valley's meat sticks are a perfect snack and, frankly, a great value without skimping on quality. Each stick is about $2 with our discount code, and it comes in a 10 pack bag. Make sure to support this podcast and head over to paleovalley.comslash CATG and use code CATG to get 15% off your first order. Thanks for listening and supporting the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Laura and I are just going to be talking really candid. This is what this podcast is all about. It's one thing to say, I want to eat something else that's not meat. It's a whole other thing to say, you need to eat something else that's not meat. If you notice that you're jumping from diet to diet, at a certain point, you have to wonder the only common denominator is me. Get outside, go for a walk,、yeah. get some vitamin D, breathe some fresh air, and stay happy and healthy and, and take care of yourselves. Let's just have some real talk. <laughs> Welcome to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. My name is Judy Cho, and I'm here with my friend and co host, Laura Spath. I was listening to a sermon, and they talked about fitting in versus belonging. And I thought it had so much relatability to the world at large and also in our community. And I wanted to talk about that in detail. And so I guess fitting in is really about Trying to do what the community wants, right? What is groupthink in a sense of,、um, well, I just want to fit in. And even if it's against my values or what I believe, I'm just going to sh- share and follow and do because I want to fit in. Whereas belonging is really, I guess it's really about what is your core values and are you、um, adhering to that and being true to yourself and your values and the way that you want to live your life. And then that week,、uh, we went to a children's birthday, and I don't know a lot of the, the friends of the family members and stuff. And there was one lady, and, and she's really big in the production side of YouTube. And we we're just talking about she had worked with Mr. Beast and a bunch of other people that I've never heard of. And I guess they have millions of followers. So clearly, I live under a rock. But she was explaining,、um, and I told her, oh, I like this one person because they seem very wholesome, and maybe it's safer for my kids to watch their channel. And then she paused and said, Oh, I, I don't like them. And I was like, Oh, why? And she said, Well, I mean, they're wholesome. Yeah. And they have that Texas feel and they're super、um, homey or something. And then she said, But, you know, she's super anti vax. And, and I was so caught off guard with that comment. So I said, Oh,、um, I think if she could read body cues, it's obvious that I was uncomfortable. And then we just, We just kind of changed the topic. I had this moment, and the way that she said it, I know I was trying to fit in in the sense of not bringing more conversation to it. But a part of me was like, well, I clearly know where she stands with the, at least the COVID vaccine because of the way she brought it up. And 
she just assumed that I felt the same way with her or that everyone feels that way. And that other lady was the minority. And so when she brought it up with that level of passion and fervor, I was so thrown off. And it's we're at a party, I don't even really know her. But when I thought about it later that day, I thought, should I have said, oh, what's what's wrong with her being against the vaccine? Should I have done that? And I I don't know where I stand even now, but I just didn't want to get it awkward. I wanted to be cordial in person. And that's where I thought again about the message about the fitting and and belonging. Yeah, I think that's, it's, what's the, what my question is always, what good would it have done? Would you have actually changed her mind (laughs) if you said anything? Um, Would it have, what would have been the drama that kind of fell out in the party? (laughs) Like how awkward things have been? I don't think... I don't know, kind of going back to fitting in versus belonging. When you described that fitting in, it's people changing themselves that goes against their value. I don't think anybody stands there and says, or makes the decision to say, I'm going to deny what I think and feel and what I truly believe in to make sure that I fit in. And I think that's the thing. Nobody makes that conscious decision to leap towards just wanting to fit in. It happens one moment at a time, a baby step at a time. It's one little thing and it's one little thing. And I don't think any one of those little moments when you decide not to like stand up for your values is causing you to abandon those beliefs or to, um, you know, deny yourself in order to fit in. So that one moment that you had with that woman at the party, it's just like, I don't want to have confrontation at a kid's birthday party here. And she's not (laughs) going to be receptive to anything that you have to say. So it's not going to do any good. What happens though, is that when we put ourselves in those situations over and over and over again, and we then slowly start to believe something else and whether or not it's about vaccines or meat or junk food or um, your, any type of anything else, it has nothing to do with one topic. But like what Robert said last week in our podcast is you are the you know, the core of the people that you surround yourself with. And I think that's where it does matter so much who you surround yourself with, because those little tiny moments at a random kid's birthday party aren't going to affect you. But eventually I think it changes who you are. You know, I have spent time in relationships with either friends or exes, you know, in college and you get all of a sudden those relationships end and you're like, I don't even know who I am anymore. Because you've completely changed one baby step at a time to be, be who you think that that other person wants you to be. And you don't even realize it until you kind of like have this awakened moment of like, I don't even know who I am anymore, you know? Yeah. And I think the main reason I wanted to bring this up in our community is because when we follow a meat based diet or a meat only diet, we do struggle with this. Well, the belonging in the carnivore community, we feel very that we belong, we are true to ourselves. But then in the outside world or the outer world where we deal with our our friends and our community and our neighbors, and when they find out you're meat only, there's still a large population that have never heard of the carnivore diet or a meat only diet or even a ketogenic diet not too many years ago. And then it's, do you bring it up and be proud and say, hey, this is who I am and this is how I belong? Or it's just that fine balance of how do you fit in, but then not make yourself seem like you're the weirdo. And, and I get it that plant-based people are a little bit more outspoken, but it's just this tricky balance for our community of wanting to belong, but 
does belonging necessarily mean that you have to be so outspoken about it? I guess that's my struggle with all of this. Yeah. And I think, again, it comes back to it, who is receptive. You know, I think right. I started a new job and nobody knew anything about this way of eating. There's people on my team that are vegans, vegetarians, um, standard diets, like really everything in between. There's a lot of new coworkers. Like I just have, am eating. When we order a meal, I'm eating what I want to eat, right? I'm not trying to like call attention to it or make a big deal about it, but I'm not going to not eat what I need to feel right, healthy right. in order to make somebody else feel comfortable. Now, as those conversations start happening, I'm not trying to walk around announcing that I'm carnivore, but I love having conversations if and when people ask about it, because right. then I know that they are curious, they are open to the conversation. Maybe they're just being polite, but hopefully, you know, because they're asking, I'll feel comfortable sharing. Um, but I don't think it would do any good to just start, you know, preaching to somebody about why I eat this way and why their health is terrible and like what they should be doing differently in their life. Cause first of all, I don't know their situation. And second of all, right. it's definitely not going to help them be receptive to it, you know, moving forward. And let's be honest in this situation, I have to work with these people long-term and I would never <laughs> want that to, for them to feel like I was judging them because of their food choices. Right. I don't want them to judge me because of my food choices. I don't ever want somebody to feel that they can't just have a great relationship with me because we choose to eat different things. Um, you know, like sometimes what we eat feels like such a huge part of our lives because we are in this community and it is something right. that is talked about so much, but in the real world and outside of this podcast and the social media platforms, like what I eat is not a topic of conversation on a regular basis. It is such a small part of who I am. And we've yeah. talked about this before on here, but like, I don't want it to be the topic of conversation all the time anywhere I go. I want it to be more about who I am. And 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 it just so happens that I eat meat. I think that gauge is really good of, uh, will they be receptive? And when I first started writing, I worked for a mommy and me blog for in Austin. And it was the largest one. And they had tens of thousands of many, many followers. Now, Austin is very plant-based friendly. And so every time I wrote about why I prioritize meat or why I prioritize high fat dairy, um, I got so much negative hate mail mm -hmm. of this writer is crazy. Who is this person? And I got to a point, I was supposed to be committed for a year. And at six months, I talked to the editor and I said, it doesn't make sense. I'm, I'm fighting an uphill battle where none of these people are receptive to possibly considering meat. I shared the sunblock or the sunscreen um, information. And every single time I got so hated and the editor really had a lot of my similar beliefs. And she, because she couldn't share that information, she almost wanted me to be the martyr and share this information so that other people would be open to it. And I got to a point where I realized my recommendations, my writing is falling on deaf ears and it's just upsetting people to an extent that they would never change and they're not receptive. Right. And so I, I stepped down and I said, I'm sorry, I just don't think this makes sense. And I need to be talking to an audience that's even slightly open and receptive to what I'm sharing. And so I left. And so I think it makes a lot of sense of in that situation, a part of me with the vaccine lady, I thought maybe I should have just asked her questions of why she believed what she believed or, and maybe even shared some of my thoughts. And a, li a little bit of me was kicking myself for not bringing up anything, but she was so 
adamant and strong stance with what she was feeling that I felt that she wasn't receptive. And I don't think I was articulating that in my mind of why I chose not to speak. But I think that's at the core of it was that I knew that no matter what I said, she would go, Oh, you're just one of them too. Right? Like that would have been her reaction to me. And I think that's why I realized I I genuinely like this person. We're being very civil. What's the point of me bringing it up? And so we quickly moved on to other conversations about YouTube and other stuff. But now the awesome thing is that you might continue to have a relationship with her. And over time, you're going to get closer. And there might be a moment where that comes up again in a more um, open way after she already gets right. to know you and she's realizing that you're not a bad person. You're not a crazy conspiracy theorist. Like you right. are just a mom who's trying to do what's best for your kids, just like she is. And then there might come a time in the future when she wants to hear what your thoughts are on that. And why is it different than mine? But right now you're right. It's not, it's just, just the woman I just met like, Oh wow. I didn't realize she was crazy too. And so I think that, it's one of those things that she has to be ready and interested and maybe over time that moment will happen. And maybe she's just going to be this like casual acquaintance that you bump into occasionally because you or kids are in the same environments occasionally. Yeah. Yesterday we went to a dinner. Kevin's uh, cousin was in town and she brought her boyfriend. And then as we're eating, we found out the, her boyfriend is plant-based. And then as we dug a little bit more and he was very shy about it. So, and I didn't know why. And so he is basically vegan and he's been a plant-based, he said for 19 years. So I was like, wow, that's a long time. And he also doesn't look plant-based. So he's not that very, very thin, frail looking. He looks pretty healthy. Right. And and then as we talked, he's like, I don't want to offend you. And and I and that's when I realized, oh, so you know about what I do for a living. Kevin's cousin mentioned that I had a book about meat-based. And he almost was like justifying his diet of my dad was sick, had two heart attacks before I was the age of 19. And I thought this was the right way to go. And I said, look, I'm not here to tell you to eat meat. If you, right. ideally, if you're supplementing or you're supplementing your B12 and if it's working for you and if you're eating some type of protein to make sure you're getting sufficient protein, I am not here to argue to you or tell you, you have to eat meat. Now, if it's not working, you can consider it, but you have to do what works for you. And if it's working for you thus far, then maybe it's okay. And I think that's where even um, I noticed with him, he was just trying to fit in with me, if that makes sense. I don't know if it's for us, our family to embrace him as the boyfriend, but I know that we do that as people and we want people to like us and respect us. And I I think we had at the end of the day of all the people at the table, we agreed way more on so many things about governmental stuff and public school systems. And a lot of that, even though one person was meat based and the other person was plant based. Yeah, absolutely. I have, I I say this often, but like I have so much more in common with somebody who's trying to eat a plant based diet to heal their health than I do with somebody who used to eat like I did, which is fast food and gas station food and processed food. And like, doesn't really have any thought whatsoever about how, what I'm eating is affecting my body and my health. So like, there's like a, you know, a U curve and I'm so much closer on the spectrum to the the vegans and the plant-based people versus the people who were like my old self now. So at least there's that understanding there where we're all just trying to be healthy as possible and, and use food over, you know, traditional other traditional methods or treating the symptoms with medications versus getting to the root cause healing. Um, Granted, we both are approaching it in two very different ways, but it's just, it is very interesting to think about. So when it comes down to then, 
if we find meat based or a carnivore diet and it's healing, and then we want to share it with our communities, but they're not receptive, I think it goes back to this. If they're not receptive, then you just can plant seeds or plant things to maybe share your testimony of healing, but don't push it on people because if they're not ready, just like the the moms in the Austin blog, were not ready for me to share about fatty meats and um, whole milk, people just need to be receptive and ready. And that that's when you can share. And so know your audience when you're sharing. And it doesn't matter if someone's plant based or carnivore, or whatever other diet they are, it's I, I believe people have their own journey, and you just support them through that process. Maybe you share why you eat meat and the benefits of it. But doesn't make sense to force it down somebody if they're not ready or receptive. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, there is a balance between surrounding yourself with people who are supportive and understanding of you and finding your community and having that great environment. But then there's also this balance of like isolating yourself and kind of being in an echo chamber and you not being open. So the same way that we are saying they should be open to what I'm saying and they are, they, I'm going to wait until they're ready to hear me. Like, are we truly listening to other people in what they're saying? Because maybe I'm not, I mean, I fully know that I'm not right about everything and it, my way is not the only way I feel that way because it's helped me so much. And this is where I'm at, but like, am I shutting down any type of options or conversation the way that I'm accusing those people of. And I think sometimes we get so tight in this community echo chamber that we are really, you know, pushing away a lot of other possible beneficial ideas. I think we see that with like, you're either in the organ camp or the non-organ camp or the grass finished or the, you don't need it or the, this or the, that. And like, even just within this community, there's so many different fruit and non-fruit and all those things. And I think sometimes we just get, we are too stubborn ourselves um, within the community of not being open to other options. Yeah, I definitely, I think any diet can have their dogmatic camps and we absolutely have that in the carnivore space. And I mean, I get even hate in our own carnivore community where if I say, you know, like the raw meat thing. Some people were upset that I was sharing that I was raw so meat Like, first of all, I even <laughs> joked in the episode, like, why is this a topic that we're talking about? And then the number of people who came back afterwards, like upset right. that we talked about how you should, like, it's probably not ideal to eat raw meat. I personally am shocked, completely shocked. <laughs> right, right. And every group will have their fanfare. And I, I get it. Some people get over overly zealous. I work with too many people that are so sick in their own different ways and own different journeys that I cannot stay dogmatic. If I did, then more than the majority of my clients would fall off because again, for every single one, I have to be mutable. Otherwise they cannot get better. And so if people worked with some of these difficult cases, they would realize they have to change their dogmatism because it just doesn't work for everybody. Right. You shared a post with me um, And it was about some of this dogma. And I thought it was so interesting the way that the person phrased how a lot of people are really overweight and sick in America. But then we have people that are influencers sharing about what was it like anti nutrients or coffee being toxic? What did I share with you? Do you remember? Oh, okay. Um, so it's by the ketologist Chris Irvin, and it says 2.7 billion boxes of cereal are sold in the U.S. per year. McDonald's revenue last year was 23.22 billion, and the average American—I'm sorry—the average human consumes almost 20 teaspoons of added sugar per day. 
And we have influencers telling people coffee, onions, and spinach are making them sick. And then he uses the emoji of the eye roll. So when I first saw this, I was like, oh, I totally fit into the the camp of people that recommend beware of coffee, onions, and spinach. So I, I felt that dichotomy again. So I fully agree with what he's saying. And that's where I believe in that whole wellness for all. Most people do not have to stop eating spinach and onions and coffee because just cleaning out a lot of the processed foods will make them feel better. But there are, and he says it in the the caption of the post too. He says, yes, there are a select few of autoimmune illness, people that need to go on elimination diets. They need to remove the oxalates. They need to remove the coffee because their adrenals are tapped. So there's truth to that. But when we extrapolate it to the wider public, it becomes so daunting and that you don't even want to get into the wellness and diet space and try to right. lose weight. But that's what's so confusing. And that's where you work with sick, sick, sick people who come to you when they've tried everything else and nothing else works. So you deal with so much nuance. They have to eliminate most people that you work with likely have to eliminate all of those things because they're still having reactions. Most people, though, are like me where they were just eating junk and they were overweight and they're trying to figure out how to make themselves healthier, which is why, you know, my message is what it is now of just like, figuring out how to do better than you were doing before, and then finding a balance within that. The problem is there's just, I say this, I said this to Robert when we had him on last week, I don't even know if I would have started carnivore and stuck to it right now because of how complicated it is out there and how crazy the messaging is and all these different ways that it's being done. And and obviously everybody's trying to find their own niche, but like, I wish there was just like this, here's a basic entry level way to get started. And then here's the different paths you can go based on your health and your goals and how things are going. But obviously it wouldn't do well for everybody to be saying the same thing. And that, you know, I don't know, we need like an onion approach where you start with this basic outside layer of cut out the carbs and sugar and junk food. Then the next layer is, you know, cut out some keto starches and keto treats and then cut out some vegetables and then cut out some nuts and like getting down to this. And eventually you like, you're going to hit your layer where you're like, Hey, this is great for me. And I can still incorporate pickles and, you know, a couple things like that. And maybe people like coffee, but some people have to go all the way down to that core where it's like meat and water and then kind of figure, do some other root cause healing. Yeah. What's interesting is with the nutriment, the food elimination, the food toxin database, what we're finding is it goes right along with this, but we have a we have a lever that's about just the diet. So I want carnivore foods that are high, medium, low, avoid, uncertain. And then the second layer is the sensitivity. So it's all the anti-nutrients. And what we're finding is if someone were to pick carnivore, for example, and they're like, we just want all the foods that are in the approved carnivore, but then there's the food sensitivity layer of, well, we want to consider all the anti-nutrients. Then when you click on that, all of a sudden, and I the reason I know this, I just was looking at this right now, but it'll say sardines or anchovies or one of the fish foods um, is avoid. And then it gets confusing of what I just said, I want to limit and um, limit anything that's not carnivore, but carnivore anchovies are absolutely carnivore. Why is it saying avoid? And then when you click on it, it shows the sensitivities and it's because there's histamines. Mm. And so most people don't need that lever of nuance. And so what we're realizing even within the nutriment space is maybe we just have the diet aspect first of the lever. And so then, you know, 
this diet only has these foods. And then maybe we have the sensitivities as a separate option to turn on and you off. You could have no sensitivities th- at first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what we're saying is we don't have that option off immediately because for the average person, they don't care if something has a lectin or an oxalate or a phytate or all the other anti-nutrients. And then as they get nuanced and they're like, okay, I'm dialed into carnivore. It's not fully working. Now maybe I turn on that sensitivity filter and it's in a more advanced feature. And then I know, oh, is it oxalates? Is it lectins? And I don't think everybody is there now. And because this tool is more for the average person, I'm learning quickly that while my my specific clients love the nuance of that sensitivity filter, the average person doesn't need it or is very confused by it. Yeah, absolutely. I think most people can start with some kind of baseline, which is why I think a lot of people do really well cutting things out as they go along. Yes. And going from eating full-time processed food diet to strict carnivore is not something that most people can stick to. It's like just cutting, using some bridge foods along the way, keeping in some veggies that you like, and then eventually just kind of like working your way down to some kind of baseline and then adding in a couple things and just seeing how you feel. Um, the difference though, is if you are somebody who's experiencing really strict, you know, autoimmune conditions, like going the other way around might be easier, but I think we, we actually have a whole episode and you could go back and listen to like, should you start strict or should you taper down? Like right, what's the right. best way to get started? Yeah. And that's where I think what I'm finding is when there's advocates that say, you're not getting better with carnivore because you're not perfect enough or you're not strict enough. I don't think that holds true for most people. I would think the biggest delineation of the hinting of that would be if you have an autoimmune illness or not in a pretty severe one. Not, I'm not talking about just eczema, but I'm talking about severe Hashimoto, severe rheumatoid arthritis. Then yes, maybe you do need to go super, super, super strict. But I think for the general population that maybe just is somewhat hypothyroid, but not having Hashimoto's, just has some weight that they want to lose or they're diabetic and they want to just reduce some of that insulin resistance. I don't think being super, super, super strict is the answer for healing or the only answer for healing. Yeah. And it kind of goes back to the whole PUFA situation, which we have full episodes (laughs) on, but like, and I don't even know, I don't hear people talking about that as much anymore. Like obviously everybody's still like crazy seed oils um, are going to kill you for if you have one drop, but um but I don't know. I haven't heard the PUFA discussion in meat or the, you know, the eating regular. I just went to Costco right now and bought like a bunch of normal pork from the, from Costco. And like, I will be fine. Um, and I'm not that concerned about eating like conventional pork and chicken. It's funny. I just interviewed the VP from Peterson Farms because we were on the KetoCon mastermind, the entrepreneur yeah. mastermind. Oh, cool. And he asked me about the PUFA thing. So I was thinking, should I ask him because, you know, they focus on pork and it's organic pork, so it's a higher quality, blah, blah, blah. But I I was thinking, should I ask him about PUFA? And I was like, oh, maybe he doesn't know because he's in the business sector of it. And then he asked me, he's like, so what's this whole PUFA thing that I keep hearing about? It is now, I guess, bleeding into the markets for him. And so we did a, a short discussion about it, but it's interesting. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. I'm sure like from their perspective, that's what I don't get. I just feel like the general population are not obsessed with worrying about if things are grass finished or, you know, um, organic and all those things. And I think yet the smaller, louder voices, um, the smaller percentage of people, but their louder voices care. And so we see businesses pivoting 
and going towards that model when most meat delivery options are all going to be grass finished, organic, blah, blah, blah. But I would love, and I've started working with companies now and looking for companies who raise conventional Midwestern, super fatty meat that I can get delivered to my house, but it's really hard to find those that are not Mm. the grass finished. And I think it's just because people, businesses have started pivoting because they think that's what consumers want, but I truly don't think they do. People want good tasting, accessible, affordable meat. Um, And I don't think that most grass finished stuff fills that need. Yeah. I I think it's, primarily because if we were to do a poll, like we went out into the broader community, not the carnivore community, but just that eats the standard American diet and ask what meat is safe for you to eat. I think there's this narrative of the only meats we should be eating is grass finished or pasture raised or organic. And I think that's where even when I was plant-based, the chicken I bought for my children was organic because I thought that was the best thing to do for them. For that reason, people that don't know much about carnivore and meat-based diet and the nutrient density and all the good stuff, they just think if I have to eat meat, I should eat the highest quality. Otherwise, sausage is going to give me cancer. All of these nitrates in meats are going to cause and give me cancer. And so they don't know as much and they're not going to look into it as much because they don't care. But if we like people like us and other people that have healed so much on carnivore and Michaela Peterson, I don't think she eats only no, I don't think she, she doesn't does. worry about grass finish, but she does. Okay, she's, okay. I mean, she's been working with Better Fed, but she still talks about how she can't eat a lot of American beef because it's um, aged, and so any kind of aged beef she can't oh, eat. Aged. She only, okay. So they made her. They actually processed her a cow on her like a fresh cow. Uh, for oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so that's not even anything to do with the quality of the cow. That's just literally the longer you age a meat, there's a chance of higher histamines. And then for people with autoimmune illness, that sensitivity to autoimmune will then cause them to have a reaction to aged meat. So that has nothing to do with if it's grass finished or grain finished. And as long as there are more advocates that say, hey, I've healed on a conventional meat, grocery meat, and it's good. And the more we educate people without this narrative of, like I know Dr. Mark Hyman, Uh, He's one of the biggest mainstream nutritionists for more of like the holistic eating. If you read his like pagan diet or whatever it's called, he's okay with meat, but only if it's the highest quality and very, very limited amounts. And if you read Dr. Steve Gundry, all of these bigger name in the mainstream, they're all about meats, but in the, this high quality type of meat or the grass finished types of meat that are expensive. And so I think that's where it stems from. It's not that the people really enjoy it. I think we are being raised and, taught that that's the only meat that's decent for us. And then how many other people are just going along with that or spouting that same message because they want to fit into the same, you know, niche as them. They want to try to, whether they're, you know, uh, somebody else popular online, who's trying to share something very specific and, and appeal to their audiences, the same audiences who appreciate that other content or how much are people just eating those things because they're just trying to like fit into what they're being told is good for them. I have some autoimmune clients and it's not even all of them. It's just a subset of even the autoimmune people, but they say they feel better on grass finish, but not everyone. Um, Some of them, because of financial reasons, they start trying the conventional and lo and behold, they can tolerate it. Right. But they were taught that they have to go to the highest quality. But you also are not saying this. And so I'm, you would never say this about somebody, but I also wonder how much of that is just like, they think it's going to make them feel better. And so then they feel better. 
Oh, like the placebo effect. Yes. Right. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I can never ask. <laughs> you can, I mean, that's not, I would never say, that's why I can say it. You can't say it. <laughs> but like, you know, somebody says, I mean, like, I don't know. I was watching this influencer the other day who like a mommy one or whatever. Her dog has fleas. And so like, she's like now hers, she's like, my whole house has fleas. And she's like, I can't stop itching my head. And she's like, swears that there's like, she just is itchy now constantly because she knows there's fleas in her house. And so now her body is like itching and your brain is so powerful and she can't stop itching, even though the fleas are gone. And so I think the same thing happens where like, if I eat this food because it's cut this meat, because it comes from a regular grocery store, like I'm going to feel bad. And then you eat it and you're like, (gasps) you're like standing there waiting, like, and then your stomach rumbles or like you get a little whatever. And it's like, see, this is what happens. Ah. (laughs) And so, or it's like, I only feel better if I eat this and then you eat it and then you feel better. So I think it's where sometimes things get a little crazy. Um, And I think we just, that's where we've maybe like isolated ourselves so much with, a very specific message that we're not actually even open ourselves to like other options. Yeah. And that's true. I mean, I have clients that will say I'm sensitive to every supplement or I'm sensitive to every certain type of anti-nutrient or I'm sensitive to some type of meat. And then when we have them try to challenge that thought and then we say, well, you know, our supplements are only practitioner grade. You can't just buy them off the street. Or if we say do a food and mood journal and just slowly introduce that, it's really like the challenging of their thinking and then maybe slowly introducing it rather than introducing all of it. And I'd say like over 50% of our clients then that try it that way, they can actually accept the new things that they once thought that they couldn't. So I can see that it completely makes sense. Yeah, definitely. What else? I don't know. What else is going on in your life? I mean, this construction stuff. But how are we going to switch to that or like the the improv? I mean, if this were up to me, we wouldn't cut one second of this whole thing and people would just deal with it. But I know you can't. <laughs> no, I cannot handle like us just bantering like this. For me, I'll leave this part in. But I feel like this part, it's always, well, this is not professional. I'm listening to content and it should be polished and, you know, quote unquote, perfect. And and if it's not, then it's, what am I listening to, right? It's like trash. That's how I view it. And that's why I, it must be polished. There must be music. There must be perfect sound and all of that other stuff, which obviously. Yeah, but most, yeah, I know. But most, I think most people are a hot mess in their own life. And <laughs> I'm a hot mess. And they don't, they're not listening to this thinking that we're so perfect. Right. And that's where. I'm not, we're not. Right. hundred percent. And I fully agree with that. And that's where I think. I was so open to you and your recommendations of me just doing improv of, and I keep thinking of in my talk. Oh, I you didn't tell me how that went. You got to tell me how I know, that I know. Went. So, but I keep thinking of in my keto con talk, I should have been like, Hey, everyone. Okay. Time to pipe down. Let's be quiet. Let's start. And please someone close the door. Right. Mortified to do something like that. And um, <laughs> so I think of that every time when I don't want to go to, imp- I need to put on my big girl pants and just do this improv and, it's been good. I Did you just go? Oh, you went twice now, right? So I was supposed to go this week, but we had some drama about like the mold reconstruction stuff. So I didn't go this week. But so technically, yes, Girl. I should have gone this. I know. I know. That's probably an excuse too. You're only one for one. You, you're one for two. I know. So you have I, 50% success rate right now. <laughs> I'm going to put this in words that's going to motivate you. You are failing right now know, in prop class because I, you've only gone one of two classes. I know. So I And, and next, think about how much money you wasted by not going to one. I'm just appealing to the Judy mindset. <laughs> know, you wasted money and you're failing. I know. But 
Yes. And I totally justified and Kevin asked me the same, are you really just trying to get out of, or is it like legitimate, this stuff? But so yes, I will go next week. But the, the things that I liked and learned is that there are no mistakes. Like they kept trying to drill that into us of, even if you fail, we make, we do a failure bow. And we said, I failed. Everyone claps. We take a bow. And so I, I use that a lot because I kept failing on whatever we're doing. And the overarching thing was we have to learn to get out of our heads and to just almost be like children, right? Of if something is um, piquing our curiosity, we go and do it. And we ask questions and we say things without thinking, oh, what is the other person going to think of me? Do I look good enough? Do I think good enough? Am I showing picture perfect? And it's really hard to get out of your head. And I, I struggle with that. And I remember asking a lady there, like, what are you doing here, right? I mean, I'm sure everyone's not trying to be a celebrity or an actor there. And she said, I just want to be quicker at thinking on my feet. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And so we played a couple games where we had to remember names and then the action or the the person's action they attributed to their name. And I'm so bad <laughs> with names and I'm so bad with faces. So I failed every single time. And I was the only person that couldn't even remember the action I picked for myself. And I kept saying, I fail. And I realized, wow, I'm so in my head because I'm always thinking of, I got to get it right. right. I got to say the right thing, right? So I can see why you and Barbara mentioned, I think you can benefit from improv. And I know that's not easy to say to somebody, but I so appreciate that of both of you because I want to do hard things and challenge myself as much as it scares me. But I, I need to stop trying to also fit in, right? So it goes back to that. I want to fit in. And so therefore, if I'm perfect enough or good enough, people will love me right. for me. I have to be okay that I'm not this picture perfect being, right? So I can be a leader and share about me. And even if I make a mistake, it's okay. And that's a very hard pill for me to swallow, to be honest. And it yeah. just, yeah. I think too, like, I, I think about it from your perspective and how you feel about other people where yeah. you love me for me and not yeah. because like, I'm so professional. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's definitely like, it's different. You do the nutrition with Judy podcast. And that is, I understand the need and want to have that to be polished, edited, professional. It's a different type of format, but on your, in your day-to-day -day life, right? You don't have to be that person in your day-to-day -day life. It's one thing. And I would never tell you to like be put out unprofessional content for <laughs> nutrition with Judy, right? Like that's, that's just what the style of what you do, yeah, right? Like you are, you know, you have everybody that loves you, gives you the grace to like be a real person in real life. And you wouldn't, you know, if you met somebody who you listened to their podcast and they were like being goofy or slubbed on a lot on a, their sentences or forgot what they were saying, like you wouldn't think less of them because of the, those moments, you know? Yeah. I think it's because when I first started in the nutrition space, I was still a newbie technically just fresh out of school and it wasn't my whole career trajectory. And so I thought, well, how are people going to respect me like they do Dr. Baker, right? I'm not a doctor. I'm not an MD. I just research a lot. I'm inquisitive. I'm naturally a learner. And then I thought of, well, would Dr. Benjamin Bickman make jokes on a show or something? And you, you just don't imagine, like their role in the space is to educate. And if people, if I want people to take me seriously, then I need to have more of that educator hat on and then not show a goofier side, which may then devalue my content, if that makes sense. And that's the whole truth of why, because in real life, I'm not as super serious and stuff. It's it's just more of this social platform. I think of, I, I play a role almost in that sense, or 
that that sounds wrong. It's just, I have to be super serious and a super professional and super just sharing information that is beneficial for the person to listen and not mess up at all. Because I think it stemmed from maybe scarcity of, I haven't been in this space long-term and maybe people won't take me serious. And, and I wanted people to take me serious. Right. And I think though, but think about like, I think it would be important for you to kind of take a step back and evaluate every once in a while and say like, is this still representative of me? Like, it's one thing to be the best professional version of you and to show one side of you, which I think is great. And I think you doing nutrition with Judy, you are showing one specific side that's of yourself, right? But at what I think taking a step back and saying, is this still a representative representation? Yeah. Of me. Or am I just trying to fit in to be what people expect me to be? And I feel deal with that a lot. Like I want to be who people ex- need me to be or expect right. me to be. And sometimes it's like, am I still representative of who I am? Um, and I, and I, I definitely struggle with that as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. I mean, there's people that meet me in real life and they'll finally say, whoa, you have such a big personality or, oh, you're actually like a little bit more... Um, I won't say easygoing. That's not the right word, but it's just, I'm more freer, right? In person than I am on a through nutrition with Judy, where I'm so serious that I, and, and, and then nobody's ever met you and said like, you're so easygoing, (laughs) (laughs) which I love. Listen, this is why we're the best pair because it's just, it's good. It's you make me, uh, we all know that this episode you're listening to none of them. We're at actually, did you see the, we got an email that said we put out 75 episodes. No, I didn't Um, get that. Okay. We've done it. We got uh, 75 episodes. We would have never done 75 episodes if it wasn't for you. <laughs> because, so that's the part that I need, right? And and you bring that out in me is to like actually do stuff. But I think it's both of us together that puts out content <laughs> that, you know, it's flowing and that people enjoy. I think it's not just me or it's not just you. It's the collaboration of us. And, you know, I do appreciate that ever since collabing with you for cutting against the grain, I do show more of my lighter side. You know, I did a dance reel with you, even though it was a joke, but people took a lot of people took it for serious or (laughs) yeah, other reels, um, like spoof reels. I probably would have never showed that side of me because I wanted to always be super professional online and I get it. You know, one thing that was really interesting is when I interviewed the Peterson person on the KetoCon entrepreneur mindset, he was really goofy. He was really Uh, joked a lot. And I thought he was so dynamic and so funny. And then he came on my podcast and I swear he must have listened to some of my episodes, but I think he thought, Oh, this podcast is super serious. So he was so serious on my podcast. So I was taken aback of, Oh, I thought you would totally have been a lot more goofy and he wasn't. And I just thought, Oh, okay. So that is totally the brand I'm sharing with people that watch the nutrition with Judy content. So I I get it. Yeah. And maybe he's just trying to fit in with like what you want from him. Right. And, and not just trying to like be himself, you know? Right. Right. No, here's the deal about the improv class though, to get things out of it and to grow from it, you actually have to go to it. How many weeks does this last? I think it's three months. So my it's plan- also, a, I guarantee you it's a foundational experience. So the, now since you missed a week, it's not like they're going to do the same stuff every week. You've now missed like a foundational layer. So now you're going to go. I, I also would imagine, I bet they took bets to see if you would show up again <laughs> after missing the second week. I know. I think, um, I, I had a call that lasted two hours and then the, 
yeah, it was just, and then I started justifying, rationalizing. So yes, I will go next Wednesday and I will report to you that I went. <laughs> no, but I, I see the benefits and, you know, there are some people there that are very, very comfortable in your skin, their skin. You could see it. They are so outgoing and they use their body and their voices and, and it's just, oh, that's so awesome. I know it'll do me benefits. Um, it is scary going. And uh, when the spotlight's on me, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like if I need to speak about something or talk about something, I could easily do that. But it's, when it's like physical body, mind, voice, all of these intonations and just with no planning whatsoever, with no planning, zero planning, I know you don't even know what you're going to talk about until it gets to you. Yep. That's the so- best part. That it's, it's scary because as an Asian, especially where we're so structured and plan ahead and everything else, it scares me, but I'm up for it. And I appreciate that you brought it up. Good. Well, we're going to keep checking in. (laughs) Thanks. Not every week. Okay. I'll like, we'll give you a break, but maybe like when you're done with the three months, we'll do like, uh, takeaways. Yeah. So what's interesting is um, Kevin and I are trying to implement like that we do one hard thing a year. And so I was like, improv is my thing this year. But I think afterwards, well, you have um, to go more than once. I, know. <laughs> I, know. I get it. I get it. And then I think the other thing I'm going to try to do is so I have this weird phobia of being too close to people. I used to go to the gym a lot. And then I would just have people come by and I'm like, whoa, I could smell their BO. And I know it's natural. So at a young age, I started having phobia of do I smell? And um, so Kevin knows I'm very like smellophobic. It's such a weird thing about me. And a lot of people have said, why don't you try jujitsu? And I said, no, like I have to be in someone's space and that smell. Yeah, that might be my Are you going to go? I might try it after this. I know it's so crazy, right? Can you imagine me doing jujitsu? You would love it. Okay, actually, I say this and then don't talk about it because I'm not going to go. But like, you know, Chris and the kids go and your boys go. Is Kevin gone yet? So he's done Taekwondo um, for, I, and I'm Korean and I yeah, said yeah. it in such a horrible accent, but um, he's done that to a very high level belt and I don't even know what it was. But I think there's some similarities. He's not done. I didn't know if he started going with the boys now. No, no, he was going to, but then we thought about what if he gets injured. For me, I just need to get over that close proximity space thing because I get kind of weird about yeah. that right and then I think maybe my next challenge and I don't think I'll do it long term but just to get over that if that makes sense right yeah let somebody put their armpit in your face and then <laughs> like <laughs> listen some of the stuff Chris I've been I mean it's crazy like I I obviously I'm not gonna go that's a lot of work um but they have like women's only classes and stuff where they're like oh yeah yeah I figure I'll only they're do crazy it those women. women are badass they're amazing yeah, so maybe, maybe I should do it. Yeah, I was gonna just say, why don't you do that as a hard thing? I'm not to say that you'll do it long term, but just a few sessions to say feel how it feels. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I'm not trying to push myself here. That's you. This is you trying to push yourself. I'm very comfortable and happy in my current life, exactly the way things are. But I'm if not- you know, but if you notice, I'm not doing the improv to become a better actor. I'm not doing. Uh, the BJJ to become physically better. I'm trying to get over these weird things that are in my head. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, yeah. So it's, it's somewhat different, but okay. We should probably wrap up. Yeah. I gotta get back to work. (laughs) Okay, guys. I don't, I don't, I know we talked about fitting and belonging and then I, we just totally went on a tangent, but I guess maybe this is about me sharing about that balance of belonging and fitting in, but you, you have to stay true to yourself in order to ultimately find happiness and have peace within yourself. Yeah. 
Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for tuning in to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple Podcasts. We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Cure in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura East Bath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's Bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain. <laughs>